0: better do it himself. Thomas, Shake crossover, step back, ah! and the brother, Young, Safe and Washington wins it. Nobody's home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, leans on the other wing. You bang! Oh! Oh! Pass evendorf at the buzzer. Oh Good! Good! They will check it, but if it stands, it's another Syracuse buzzer beater to beat Connecticut. Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win! Unions, Tim, and there are Major budgets with a kiss. Oh my goodness, what are the great games. Welcome, we are live for episode four of the On the Line College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined by Ben, my co-host. Ben and I are going to preview LSU Tennessee as well as discuss and recap the game last night against Bama as LSU... Falls to three and three in conference play after a tough seventy to sixty seven loss against Bama in Bama. Ben, what are your thoughts on the game last night?
1: Um, I mean, it was always going to be tough when Darius went out in the first half, and you're at, you're without your two senior leaders playing for almost the entire for three 4 of the game. Pinson never started, and I don't, and they didn't take care of the ball or anything, and they. I had some laps in defense here and there, but I was proud of the way they fought back the last five minutes. I mean, they could have easily given up. You don't have some of your best players out there. You could have easily mailed it in, took it home. But they kept fighting. I thought I was on. I thought I was on drugs whenever Eric Gaines hit three straight three pointers and three trips on the floor. I was like, "What is going on?"
0: But uh, what is it about Eric Gaines where he turns into the best player of all time when the game pretty much seems lost? And it's like, man, well, this game's you know, gotta get away from us.
1: <laughs> you know, he's the only one on the floor that has pure confidence, no matter what the score is, no matter how, how many shots he's missed or made, he has the same exact confidence. And that's something that's admirable on a player, that's something that helps a player throughout a game. And so, I think that's what it is. No matter if they're down 20 points, you know, he's like, I can bring us back, you know, at any point.
0: I agree with that. Um, we'll get into Eric Gaines's performance last night uh the highs the lows the what the hell are you doing on both both good and bad spectrum for him but ben do you mind if we kind of take this section by section in the game maybe first four second four and uh and break it off in terms of what went wrong what went right for lsu and ultimately how can they improve going forward and and capitalize on their on their mistakes and really learn from them let's do it All right. Pulling up my notes here first. The first four minutes, my my initial notes on it were Murray was looking to attack often, which is a good sign. I think Brandon Murray at this point, he's probably the only player who can create his own shot. Tari can do it some. However, it has to be more on the high post, which I'll get into later, and Pinson can create his own shot in some ways, but Murray's really the only one that can create separation under control. And he, you know, we said, we said in one of the earlier episodes, we kind of gave him that camp Thomas comp, not in terms of pure being a dynamic scorer like cam, but maybe he can create off, off the dribble. He can create off ball. He's, he's kind of a knockdown three point shooter. And it doesn't really matter if it's catch and shoot, whether he's off the dribble, he can really, fill it up and you know he had 19 last night tari had 26 they were pretty much your offense i'd noticed the officials really weren't calling anything at first and they the game was very physical but i mean i don't like to talk about officials but that was just one of my notes they weren't they were not really calling much however Moani i believe early on fouled a three-point shooter was that day's uh, yeah. I mean, there was just there were some bad fouls. I mean, they felt the three point shooter twice in the game. What were your What were your initial thoughts of the game? How they started before Tari got in?
1: They they came out playing pretty good defense, I thought, and it lasted throughout most of the game. You know, they had a couple lapses here and there, but they started really well on the defensive end. And yeah, I noticed that too. Murray was taking the ball to the rim, and he's you know as the season going along, I think he's felt more comfortable with the physicality of the game. And he's been taking it more and more to the rim. You know, he has the perfect combination for a combo guard you want and quickness and toughness and height. And he's really putting it all together and going the rim. Now, should he have gotten more calls? Probably so. Should should probably could have got rewarded for that a little bit more. But, yeah, I noticed that coming out of the gate. He he looked to play a physical ball game. And they really did good on defense.
0: Yeah, the the defense was really impressive early. I think it was – I mean, it was five three. I have at thirteen twenty. It was six five. It was a six five game at thirteen twenty. Both teams six minutes in had four turnovers apiece, and that that kind of goes back to what we talked about last episode. Where, yeah, LSU forces a lot of turnovers, but if you turn over, if you force twenty turnovers, but then you turn the ball over seventeen times, it doesn't really matter how many times you first turnovers if you're just giving it right back. Um, I noticed. Tari, when he got in, he immediately was driving. He couldn't finish with his left, but that was that was fine. Also, the thing about Tari, I really wish we would go back to this. Early on in the season when they were playing a little bit inferior t- competition, there was some high-low offense, and... Since they've gotten into SEC play, I don't know what it is, if it's the competition level, if people are scared to throw the entry passes because now you're in SEC play and passes get deflected all the time. But there is no high-low game, and it's open. Every time Tari flashes to the elbow, he is wide open. And when he gets the ball to the elbow, he knows what to do with it. He's going to rip through. He's going to drive, and he's going to get an and-one more often than not. I mean, feed Tari in the post.
1: Well, I think some of it is as the season's going along, you know, LSU has revealed what they are. They're not a perimeter shooting team. They like take it to the bucket. So as the season's going along and these defenses got better, they figured out we're going to pack the paint against this team. You know, we're going to try to get in the passing lanes. So we're not really going to worry about catch and shoot guys. You know, we're going to come out and defend them, but we're not going to stay attached. You know, we're going to help on drivers. And so I think that's a little bit of it. But yeah, there is there was some stuff early in the season, man, that has not that was very successful that has not continued. It's like they've simplified the offense as the competition is getting harder, but I mean, I don't know why they don't go back to some of that, especially when they're struggling so hard offensively. I know the first game and throughout the first five or six games, they ran that set where they ran the pick and roll with Pinson and Darius, the double pick and roll and Darius would pop and Eason or Efton would dive to the rim. That worked great. I don't understand why that wouldn't work now, but they haven't, I haven't seen them run that in a month.
0: No, no, they they, they they don't even run that set anymore. And you and I used to make fun of it because they ran it so often. But I would like them to run. Something. It's effective
1: whenever you have a big guy like Darius who can pop and shoot that well, but also is a great base for a uh, pick and roll.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I remember I have I have notes, you know, they, they gave the ball to Tari. He flashed. He got an and one. He get, they gave it to him again, he flashed, and then he had the big three. I mean, he had seven points within like the first two, three minutes he was in the game. And again, this kind of goes back to what we've discussed acknowledging with Tari. Is bringing him off the bench really the best move for this team going forward?
1: I don't think it is because I don't know what Efton's giving you on either side of the floor or rebounding-wise that's that should justify him starting the game, especially whenever we've had a bunch of slow starts in these games. Now, we did fine in this game to start the game just because our defense was hanging us in there, but we've had a ton of slow starts. Even in the games earlier this season where we were winning by 20, 30 points, we would you know be down two, six minutes in the game or something like that. Remember, I mean, remember and, the
0: Georgia Tech game?
1: Yeah, we were down like 10 points, like almost a yeah. halftime or something. Yeah.
0: And I, I did appreciate Bama matching our subbing in the best player, though, as they subbed in Javon Quinterly, which was, was so I,
1: strange. I, I, I still don't have an explanation for that. Did they give an explanation of that on that? Yeah, on the broadcast? yeah they,
0: they, they did. They did. Um, They said that Quinterly actually requested it. He, he said that he was struggling shooting the ball this year. He was more comfortable last year coming off the bench. So he decided, hey, I want to I want to come off the bench and.
1: It was weird us. because he wasn't even the first guy off the bench. He was like no, the second guy. No. Off the
0: bench. Yeah, right, right. And I mean, Quinnerly, Quinnerly was Cornelly last night. I mean, you and I have been a Javon Cornelly fan since he was a member of Jelly Fam. Although I guess a member of Jelly Fam, you're always a member of Jelly Fam. So, how much was, could Villanova use him this year? Well, do, do you think Nova regrets that? I don't. I don't mean to get off topic. I, I I think so too. You know. I get it. Jay Wright's an awesome coach. He's an unbelievable coach. He's probably a top three coach in all of college basketball. He does have a tendency to award seniors a little too much. And I think that there's a healthy balance. You don't want to just immediately thrust the freshman in. But when you have a five-star talent like Javon Quinterly, who is obviously very good and you don't use him at all, I can't really blame the kid when he transfers to Bama, and he's been an absolute stud ever since he stepped foot on Bama. I've been I've been pretty surprised he stayed with Bama for as long as he has. I thought he might declare for the draft last year. This year, I could easily see him being a late first-round pick, early second-rounder, and he strikes me as someone who's going to go in that second round, kind of like Jared Butler, Fred VanVleet, uh where it's like how did this guy last until the second round and it's like because you guys don't focus on what is what is happening you focus too much on potential and someone's going to take J.D. Davison over Javon Quinterly because he's younger and he can jump really high J.D. Davison can jump really high as he goes to pass the ball into the bleachers and again I don't I don't want to rag on anyone in this pod for as long as we do it but JD Davison should not be a starting point guard in the SEC. Like, I I don't, I don't care what his recruiting ranking was. I don't care if he's a five star. I don't give a shit if he's a six-star. They don't even have that. He cannot be an SEC point guard right now.
1: No, he just needs to keep playing wing for this team, especially when they have two guards who can handle the basketball. And even Ellis has a third guard who's okay at handling the basketball. And uh, I don't, I don't understand it that much. He could really, honestly, even play like a small four, like a big three. Like he does really well defensively, and he could jump out of the gym. Like I don't know why they haven't. Sw- I mean, that seems like a, I don't know if they. I didn't notice that they used that lineup ball at all last night. But a uh, Quinterly, Shackelford, Ellis, Davidson, and insert your big lineup. I think would. I mean, that seems perfect for what they're trying to run offensively.
0: Yeah, I entirely agree with that, but they.
1: It was a big win for Bama, though, and they did play well for most of the game since the last five minutes where they somehow almost blew that basketball game just because they couldn't make free throws. And Shackelford probably made the worst go ahead pass in the weirdest situation that I've ever seen in my life. And he threw it to nobody, went all the way out of bounds. It was, but that's why that's why they have been who they are this year is because they have been doing that kind of stuff every single game and that's why they've been taking these bad losses that they almost took another one last night.
0: Yeah, also they, they didn't they didn't close the half well either because the, I, there was a point there where I thought the game might get out of hand. I thought it was in your way before half too. I, I thought it was I mean, they were up 29 to 23. Wade called a timeout at 20 at 2:15 left. And then right off of that, Justice Williams hit a huge corner three off of a ball fake which that is extremely hard to do. To to do a to assert your knees to assert any sort of momentum. Do a ball fake and then immediately get into your shot pocket and make a corner three. That was massive. And then the Tari four point play before half. I mean, it was huge. That was that was massive. Um, most of my notes are just bashing bashing. F and Reed. Uh, I don't. Again, like I said, I don't want to bash any kid, but. I don't know if Efton Reed can get as much minutes as he's getting right now.
1: No, I don't believe so either. I mean, he's just still probably get 15 to 20 or something like that, which he's getting about 20 right now just because he can't stay in the game because of foul trouble. But I mean, you don't have that many options. It's not like you should run Sharif out there. I think in my opinion, I think he's looked pretty good in every game. I think you should probably run him out there seven to 10 minutes. I mean, what from what I've seen, he deserves. It. He's been playing solid defense. He actually takes the ball strong to the rim, unlike Eftin, and, and he knows how to grab the ball with two hands and take it strong to the front of the rim.
0: I think Sharif, Sharif, won. he, yes, I completely agree. He takes the ball strong to the rim. He, you know, he he did it last night. He got fouled. The one thing I would, I would kind of worry about Sharif is I don't know if he's ready to switch and rotate at the levels that this LSU defense does. And in order to do that, you kind of have to have been playing with this team for a little bit longer than he has. And it sucks because he started the season late.
1: Yeah. But, but when- I think he's been practicing the whole time. Has he? Yeah. He's been practicing the whole time. Okay.
0: That's good. Then I-, I-, I thought he was completely MIA because I just noticed a few times where he he kind of got lost help side. He didn't really know what to do when he was not guarding the ball, and you know he he can guard the ball and he can guard the ball in the post pretty well. It's just off ball. It seems that he doesn't really understand certain assignments. Maybe um, second half. I mean, the the big thing I, I said last time on the pod that Moawani and Fudge would have to be huge for LSU to win this game. They were not. And no, neither of anything. them, neither of them hit from the corner three. Moani, Moani was good
1: defensively, but
0: yeah, he wasn't well, adding much on the offensive end. He was good defensively, but he fouled a three point shooter twice. And, and he, he kind of routinely does that. He's the only player who really. He likes to jump. Yeah. He jumps on the corner threes. He, he was doing a lot better If that earlier in the year. He was chopping his feet. So hopefully that's just a coaching adjustment and, and not even an adjustment, but just reminding your players, hey, don't jump on the corner three. Don't like, please don't. If you get in the air, you're immediately on a four. You're immediately four and five defensively. Worst case, they blow by you. Uh, best case, you know, maybe you foul him. Maybe he misses the the reset on the three. So it's, It's not good. We can't keep getting in the air. Also, Bama was in the bonus uh, with 12 minutes to go in the game. So that kind of – you can't win. I don't care who you're playing. You can't win games like that.
1: Yeah, you can't win when you're getting outshot the free throw line by 13 or whatever it was, 15. I mean, but it's become habitual for this team, and it's become a thing that they've had to fight through. and. They're going to have to figure it out. Either they're going to have to change the way they play defense, which I don't think Will is going to change the way this team plays defense. I think he likes it. Or they're going to have to – I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to pull out the Kobe system and figure out where the refs are stationed on the floor and where you could foul and where you can't.
0: Yeah, they they, they have to do something. And I completely forgot. The game almost really got out of hand with that three – point foul that didn't get called i i completely forgot they didn't even call it because of the shot clock violation but i mean imagine if they get you know three free throws right there and that that's that's a three-point play it but again the whole the whole game all second half especially the only ones who could generate offense with the exception of the eric gains random three-point barrage which came out of absolutely nowhere were brandon murray and Tari eason uh, we should
1: talk about Tari a little bit i mean he was incredible he was taking it straight into the teeth of the defense making some really hard layups. Some of it was a little wild and he got lucky to make some of them and some of them looked ugly about how wild they were but he just stayed aggressive throughout and that's really what they needed you know they need somebody to just tail behind and for him to go into the paint and be physical with that team because that was a very physical ball game.
0: It was an extremely physical ball game. I have I, I wrote down in my notes and I also tweeted out last night. Tari Eason plays like Will Smith from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air episode where he's playing basketball. I don't I don't know how to describe it, but if you've watched that episode or those two episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And he definitely plays basketball like that. But he's the guy's incredible. He he was nine of thirteen last night, six of ten from the free throw line. All right, maybe we'd like for him to make one or two more, but six of ten from a power four, that's pretty good yeah he had four turnovers but that was more of a product of hey we don't have anyone offensively who's doing anything so please do whatever you can and yeah he's just he's he's got to be all sec this year i mean i don't see any reason he's not going to be i hope he doesn't go to the draft selfishly but at the same time completely get it get your money young man and he's been the guy's been probably one of the best five six transfers in the country. We'll we'll have a later episode probably this week or next week where we're going to break down the biggest transfers of the year because just like football the transfer portal was massive this year in basketball and it continues to be so going forward. So unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you feel, you just got to get used to it, but Tari was a massive transfer this year from Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, the second half, you know, Alabama got up about 13 I was watching at the bar. I almost left. <laughs> My dad said he turned off the television. I think a lot of people felt that way. You know, it was it was going to be over. And then this team just didn't lay down. They just kept playing hard defensively. They got some turnovers and sh- the shots just started falling. We had the random Eric Gaines three threes in a row. And then Brandon Murray comes down and hits a big three. And then we get another bucket at the rim, I think, by Tari. And just like that, it was down to one. And it, in, Alabama wasn't... Ex- they weren't playing bad defense. It was just LSU shots just started going down and LSU really ratcheted up defensively. So, I mean, you heard Will after the game, he was complimentary of his team. He liked how the end of the, how the end went. And he was proud of them the whole game without two of their leaders and two of their best players. He was proud that they kept fighting. And, um, I mean, you can't really fault him to lose that game. They Coleman team is such a hard place to play. And, Alabama was hungry for a win. They really needed it.
0: The, the big thing is they covered. I mean, good teams win, great teams cover. What else do you want from them? They covered on the road without two of their best players. But in all in all seriousness, I, I it's tough to talk about this game without talking about the six-point turnaround. And what I mean by the six-point turnaround is we go down – we shoot a shot with contact, whatever you can say should have been called a foul. I don't care about whether it should have been called a foul. What I do care about was that it was pretty obvious that it was a bang, bang, goal 10 block. And for them not to immediately stop the game or call that a goal 10 and try to review that was pretty ridiculous. Then after that, they go down and have a similar play with contact and they throw it up he gets fouled so now wade's losing his ever loving mind rightfully so can't rightfully blame so. him can't blame him at all i mean i would have gotten ejected right there in the spot and he gets a t again can't can't fault him at all there's there are such things as as good technical fouls in basketball uh, th- sometimes you just have to stand up for your players the players responded but that was 6 points right there you 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 don't score the 2 then immediately they go down and get four because Shackelford was money from the line last night. Nine of eleven, you know, and that's he's what a what? Does. He was a
1: sixty-something percent shooting for the year, and he comes in and goes nine for eleven. Well, he's yeah. nine and nine until he missed the two free throws with thirty seconds left or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was like Saints kickers, right? Or not 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 Saints the kickers but kickers against. Yes, yes, Matt Matt Bryant. Shout out to you, buddy, and shout out to you, young hoku. I don't think you've missed a field goal against us ever. Never,
1: never. Graham Gano when he was on the Panthers. Oh. Just money every time.
0: Uh yes, yes. I mean, but, I mean,
1: and- oh, well, we'll get into tech. You know, the, the best thing about Will as a coach, we've talked about this. He doesn't, he's not an offensive schemer. He's really not a defensive schemer. His best attribute to the coach is recruiting and reading the attitude of his team. And, you know, that was the technical, you know, he, he knew his team needed something. He knew they needed, they were getting frustrated with the refs and that he needed to step up for them, give them a little bit of jolt of confidence, maybe give them a little bit of a breather to get ready to go for that last six, seven minutes or whatever that was. And that's his best thing as a coach, you know, and you can always see in the post game pressers because it's never the same. He's, it's always a different tone after the presser. And it's not necessarily based on whether they win or lose, you know, after that Arkansas game, he was tearing them up in the postgame presser because they should have won that game. I mean, they should have won that game. And then after this game, they lose. And he's completely complimentary of his team because he understands what they need at that moment. And during, we won the first 14 games or 13 games or whatever. So after some of those games, he would tear them to pieces. We went by 30 points and he would just tear them to pieces because he knows how good this team can play. And if they play well and they lose, he's not going to tear him up about it. And I think that's one of his best attributes as a coach.
0: Bottom line, he's, he's a leader of men. And, you know, I mean, people who aren't LSU fans are going to say what they want to say about Will Wade, but he's, he's earned that general nickname for a reason, man. He's, he's a bad motherfucker and he is a hell of a leader and he can really recruit. And the other thing that he's a great, like manager in terms of managing a program and putting in the right guys to do what they need to do. And, you know, I mean, he had that slick comment the other night about, uh, Hey, can you fix the the leak? And he, he knows, man, he knows he's got to build up the facilities at LSU in terms of basketball. He, he's seen the money go to football and, and baseball and hell, even gymnastics, and, th- and that's not a slight on gymnastics. They deserve it at all. So don't take that. I love our LSU gymnastics team. Um, Very sad. The game we got put po- their meet got postponed, but yeah, he's, he's a hell of a coach. I mean, he's not, don't expect him to, to draw a silent out of balance play that you're going to be like, wow, how did he draw that up? The, the most impressive thing about him as a coach in terms of X's and O's is one, his presses are very impressive. And two, the way his team helps baseline and the way his team helps to attack. They don't help to just help each other defensively. No, they help to steal the ball. And that is, that is such a rare treat. Now, granted that goes to how he recruits. He recruits to his style of defense, which is how you should coach. You should recruit to how you're going to play. And he loves to recruit these long athletes. And that's why they help baseline. And that's why they leave one weak guy on the backside three. He's, he gets it. That's all I'll say about him.
1: Yeah, and you're just talking about recruiting a certain style of player. I think Brandon Murray is the perfect epitome of the style of player that he really wants for this program, and I think we'll see a lot of style of those players coming through. They said on the broadcast last night, he was the number 99 player in his recruiting class last year. Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find 98 better freshmen playing right now. Right, right. I think you'd and be hard-pressed to find 20.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, important reminder for, for rankings – it's always projections what their potential is, but I don't know how anyone watched Brandon Murray coming up and thought, no, this kid doesn't have potential. He, He's—I he's haven't seen much
1: Brandon Murray high school tape, but I assume it's because he's just a complete team player and you know didn't score sixty points a game or whatever it was. When he wanted to, he
0: could. He's—he was a walking bucket. That's all I'm going to say about him. And also, I love. Uh, how Wade's going to the Northeast area, like Philadelphia, Baltimore. You know, I mean, yeah, Got Brandon to. Murray. Brandon Murray went to IMG, but no, that, that kid's from Baltimore. Yeah, you he's know, from Baltimore. Yeah, you know what kind of hoopers are going to come from Baltimore? They are going to be tough-nosed, and he is as tough as they get. I mean, that fall that he took last night, that was scary. I was, I was scared. I was very scared, and he just bounce right back up i mean he was scared for himself so i think he was more he was more stunned he was more
1: shocked i think got his wind knocked out of him kind of and just need to collect himself but yeah i think justice really envelops where he's from too i mean this kid is fresh out of high school should still be in high school fresh 18 year old kid hasn't looked scared one time i mean you can say he's made some bad turnovers at bad plays has not looked scared a single time. Took some big shots last night. The very first game at Auburn, they just throw him in there. Looked fine. Hit a couple mid-range shots. Handled the basketball. I mean, really impressive from a kid who didn't get out there at all the first 12 games of the season.
0: The fact that he was able to come in against Auburn and just pick it up. And again, like like you said, did he did he do great? No, but... He wasn't. It wasn't like, oh my god, what is Justice Wade was doing wasn't on the court? Yeah, and that is to be eighteen years old, fresh off, fresh out of high school. Probably should still be in high school, and to come in and do that, it again, it tells you the kind of players that Wade's recruiting. But I, I don't have anything else for this game. No, they I think we should move on, on
1: to uh, looking at yeah. the Tennessee game Saturday, which I think, I mean, as you saw by the first game, is a very good stylistic matchup for this LSU team. You know. A team that has been struggling to score the basketball, a team that really only has one really good ball handler that they can hound to kind of force it out of his hands. I mean, I think the last game they turned over Vescovy a bunch, and it's a really good matchup for them. But man, who's going to be on the court for LSU? I mean, if they're not going to have Darius Days and Xavier Pinson going on the road and winning an SEC game, it's going to be tough, especially against the Tennessee team who has a ton of talent and really good coaching. So we'll see. I mean, if both of them are playing, I would expect us to win that game just because of the matchups we have. I mean, Tari just feasted on them a couple of weeks ago in the PMAC. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of it's Pinson out there, though, because we saw whenever he got hurt, a little bit was a shock of the moment. But, you know, the game started turning around just a little bit there. There wasn't enough time for Tennessee to come back. We ended the game really nice. But I don't know. I mean, that's the biggest question is who's going to be on the court.
0: I don't think days place those, those ankle injuries are going to take at least a week, maybe two weeks to heal. It's, it's tough to immediately get out there and start moving around the way you need to, especially in this league. Pinson. I, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. Personally, college sports, the injury reports are non-existent. You're, you're not going to know how a player Little doing. to none. look yeah. You're not gonna know how a player is doing health wise until the game. And I, I don't mean like until well it's, game it's until day. it's until their Twitter
1: account tweets the starting yeah. lineup ten minutes before the game.
0: Exactly. That's that's when you'll find out. Um
1: let's I'm assume say, let's assume Pinson plays and Blaze doesn't.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say Pinson plays. If Pinson plays Man, this is This is tough, because as desperate as we are now, Tennessee's just as desperate. They are, especially at home. In terms of two teams that have been very good, as much as Bama has kind of... uh, It's going to pay me to say this, So, but as much as Bama has kind of owned us recently, in recent years, I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood right now, LSU has kind of owned Tennessee. Even when Tennessee had their better teams of... Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams, and I'm going to pull Steven Smith and those boys. They still beat them pretty convincingly. And this year, I thought maybe it was going to be a little bit different because we didn't have the Scotlandville legend, Javante Smart. I mean, Javante Smart, I don't know what it is about Tennessee, but he just he was dropping loved... 30 plus every single game. <laughs> yeah, Javante Smart loved playing Tennessee. I don't know what it was, but hey, man, I loved it. I'm going to say – I'm going to say Tennessee is going to take this one, 71-67. While, yeah, Tennessee's offense hasn't been great, I do think that Kentucky game kind of woke them up because, one, they scored, but they didn't defend at all. Now, granted, Kentucky made the rim look like an ocean. And then last Last game at Vandy, they were so perplexed by the court and who can blame them. They they didn't really shoot that well, but Kennedy can can Chandler is improving game by game.
1: Yes, I have I re- step in around him though, and I'm just not so sure, man. I mean, since we've played him, they put up 66 against South Carolina. They had that blowout loss where they lost by 28, but they scored 79 points. But, I mean, how much defensive intensity was kentucky really put into that game scoring 107 and then 68 points versus vanderbilt so i mean they scored 66 against south carolina 68 versus vanderbilt i mean lsu can hold them to less than that i think it all depends on if lsu gets around 65 points i think they can win this game um you know they're gonna have to rebound really well if days isn't gonna play efton's gonna have to Step up after Nurse Sharif is just gonna have to, or Fudge is gonna have to step up and rebound the basketball as good as Tari is. That's not his forte defensive rebounding, not a boxing out guy. I will say, goes, Mal- Malani, way... yeah, Milani and Fudge box out really well, but is like a more, I'm gonna grab it and then just run.
0: Well, he also grabs with one hand, he goes up way too much with one hand. Two hands start, two hands. I know I sound like a 40 year old dad, but come on. What what what, do you know the spread of this game? There's not gonna be a
1: spread, bro. These books are so bad. It doesn't come out until 24 hours before, so it'll be tomorrow night. All
0: right, let me let me look to see if I can find it. But what would you put the spread for this? Uh,
1: Tennessee is probably gonna be a short favorite. I'd say if it's confirmed, Pinson's playing. I'd probably say like Tennessee, minus two or two and a half or one and a half or something like that. They haven't really played any better than, than they have been playing all year. They haven't really improved. And so I don't see any reason to expect them to do well offensively
0: in this game. It really comes down to Fulkerson.
1: And he hasn't been good the whole season.
0: No, he had, that, he had that one good game, and since then, nothing. Well, you know, you know. before year. the
1: last LSU game, uh, his coach called him out in the media and his, in his weekly press conference, called him out and said, you know, this guy came back, and if he wants to continue to get minutes on the floor, he's going to have to play harder, and he's going to have to play smarter out there. You know, he's played way too much basketball to be doing all this stuff he's been doing and not giving enough effort on the court, but – from what I've seen, that really hasn't kicked him. I mean, I was right before the LSU game. He got pulled out a lot. It seemed to be the coaches frustrated with him. I mean, he was dealing with Tari Easton out there. I wouldn't give him a lot of flack for that. But since then, really he hasn't been playing any better. I mean, Kentucky got dominated inside, or Kentucky dominated them inside. He wasn't playing very good defense in that game. Granted, nobody was on the team, but I don't know. I just don't expect their offensive players who've been struggling to really turn it around against LSU think we're really going to hound him the only guy that really hurt him in the last game is kenny chandler he can take anybody off the balance really but i think kennedy's probably gonna have to get to 25 points 27 points or something for them to win this game i don't see it uh, give me lsu 62 to 58 okay okay
0: anything else for this game project projection wise
1: uh if Xavier and Darius doesn't play. It's going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah, I. You're
1: going to see a lot of Sharif. You're going to see a lot of Justice, and a lot uh, of
0: Efton Reed until he fouls out.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a. I don't know. It's going to be a learning experience for these guys. And Will's been saying that while these guys have been hurt, you know, we're going to be better after all this. Whenever we get everyone back, you know, these. You say what you want about the way Gaines has been playing. I think these minutes have been really huge for him you know, to kind of understand what the game management means because he's out there all the time. So he's he, and he has he's pulled back a little bit on some of these games for, you know, minutes or stretches at a time and really kind of manage the game and slow it down a little bit. And I think that's going to help him whenever he goes back to his uh backup role that he just he just doesn't come off the bench and starts running and playing crazy. I think he will slow down a little bit. And these minutes have been huge for justice, I think, as well. And Fudge and Mawani being getting more minutes. So I think Will's right after all of this, you know, it's gonna be huge for these backups and these guys coming off the bench because this is such a good experience, especially if this is the toughest part of their schedule. And so these are gonna be the toughest teams they're gonna play throughout the rest of the year. I think after this Tennessee game, the only you know, top five team or whatever you're saying the SEC is gonna be Bam at home in the very last game.
0: Well, don't disrespect the I
1: don't think they're and, the, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this group of five teams or six teams or four teams at the top, and they're not going to have to play any of those teams.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree with that. The people are dying to know, Ben, who's going to play more minutes? Joris book or John Fulkerson? Because Joris, he actually did really well against us. I was, he did. I, he's a good player. I, I was like, who the hell is this guy? And why are you playing and why are you doing well? He had 12 and seven against us and against Andy last night. He had 13 and seven or two nights ago. Sorry.
1: What did did the minutes look like last night between him and Fulkerson?
0: So he had 21 minutes last night and big uh, John Fulkerson had 17 and Fulkerson only had 2.6 rebounds. And it looks like both of those were free throws. That's the way it's
1: been trending. And yeah. uh, I expect to see more Plaskovich. I would have been impressed whenever I've seen him play. I mean, he's a big body. He seems to know how to use his body. He's physical, He boxes out. And um, yeah, I expect to see a lot of Plaskovich in, the, in this game, especially considering the success he had last time against us.
0: Well, that troubles me because I think he's going to eat, uh, eat Efton Reed up inside.
1: I mean, Efton's going to have to step up one of these games or you're right. He's going to lose playing time and it's going to be quick. I mean, if Darius isn't playing this game, he's going to be forced to have to play a lot. But once Darius comes back, I mean, who knows? Maybe Sharif passes him up or Sharif plays just as many minutes as he does. Or they use fudge more at the four or something like that because they just can't keep throwing him out there and him making these mistakes. The things that kills me is whenever he gets the roll to the basket runs or he gets the ball wide open and he hesitates when he goes up i mean you're seven feet tall dude and you have good hands
0: he he does he does have good hands he doesn't ever great hands for seven foot he doesn't ever use them he doesn't put his he doesn't put his hands up on rebounds uh and but the the thing he does that absolutely drives me nuts is the moving screen chart the moving screen foul. How do you how do you pick up a moving screen foul more than once in a season? After you do it once in a year, you should be like, all right, well now I know I can't do that. Just
1: I will just, say some of them this year have been on gains and pens and they are not the best at letting the oh, play set up. They aren't. And so I will say some of I recognized at least twice last night where he got one of those and it was gain's fault because he took off too early. And I mean, you know, those are at 60-40 on the guard. Whenever that happens, usually the guard is not letting the guy sit up before he takes off, and his guy just runs straight into him. So I wouldn't say that's all on him, but what well, the more frustrating fouls for me are the ones where he just reaches in after the rebound. I mean, there's just there's just no reason for that, honestly. And, uh, but, uh, and LSU as a team gets probably three or four of those a game, and those feel like easy fixes. You know, guys – after they grab the rebound with two hands, right. just run down the floor.
0: Yeah, there's a difference between being aggressive in a smart way and being outright stupid. And and I think when when they get the rebound, just get back in transition. Because if you get back in transition, knowing how they've played, they're going to find a passing lane and they're going to pick it off. I mean, that's what they were doing last night. But no, I don't I don't have anything else to, for, the, for this preview. You want to talk about anything else for the SEC or NTA? Anything that's caught your eyes this, tonight?
1: Um, well, I watched the Purdue-Indiana game tonight. You know, Purdue got off to a really bad start. Couldn't make any free throws, but I had the first half over. It lost by a point and a half, and the two teams combined of 8 of 22. And free throws in the first half and that was tough but indiana picked it up in the second half on their free throws purdue came storming back jaden ivy man uh, i don't know what else to say about him he's one of the best players in the country i think he should be a top five draft pick the kid's incredible i think he had one point in the first half followed it up with 23 in the second half took the ball to the rim with reckless abandon had a fall kind of like murray had last night in that game got back up you know was unshaken this kid's this kid's tough man and you know his mom's the women's basketball coach over at notre dame and so you know he's a baller i mean you know he's a baller you know he's tough and even in that loss you know i was really impressed by them some of their other guys some of their complimentary guys really didn't play well gillis really didn't play well the point guard uh, i forget his name didn't really play well but ivy really impressed in that game but it's a big win for indiana it's huge resume booster probably puts him you know off the bubble for now safe in the tournament for a couple weeks and um it was, it was a huge win for them.
0: Again, Big Ten, best, by far the best all around, like top, top level talent in terms of players. Trace Jackson Davis, Travion Williams, and Jane Niven in one game was very, very fun to watch.
1: Some of the best uh, home environments as well. I mean, the Assembly Hall was absolutely rocking. I mean, it's. You say that all the time in college basketball. That it's really hard to go in and win road games. But it seems like this conference specifically, this and the um, the Big East seem like, man, just tough places to go in and win basketball games. And that was the case tonight. I mean, they took down Purdue, who, had, you know, I still think are one of the best teams in the country it just wasn't their night. They didn't shoot very well outside of Ivy.
0: And uh, I think they'll bounce back. You were talking about uh, Isaiah Thompson, by the way.
1: Isaiah Thompson. Yeah, the point guard. Good shooter, but um, I don't know. Just didn't really play well tonight. Gillis really didn't play well. Williams Williams played pretty well. Edie Edie couldn't make any free throws tonight, but I still they have way too much
0: talent to fall off. Shooting seven and seventeen from the free throw line is not gonna
1: not gonna help. They went one to eight in the, in the first half. <laughs> Did they really? They went one to eight in the first half. They were one at eight, and I think Illinois was. <laughs> six of I mean, 12. Indiana Indiana was six of 12 that was bad all right we're gonna start to look at the games for tomorrow Friday January 21st the Big Ten loves these Friday and these Sunday games I think it's some sort of TV thing where they like to be you know the the prime game on TV on these nights because no really other power conference plays games on these nights and so
0: we have. I think to, it's a Fox thing because I have seen the Big East. The Big East will occasionally play on a Friday. I think.
1: Yeah, they'll do that too, and they love to play on Sundays.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a Fox thing.
1: Yeah, but I mean, man, a huge matchup in the Big in the Big Ten: Michigan State at Wisconsin tomorrow night, eight o'clock Central Time.
0: I'm going to say the spread's going to be Wisconsin three and a hook. I'm going to say – what? I'm going to say Wisconsin three flat. All right, Wisconsin three flat. I think Wisconsin takes this. I'm not a big Michigan State fan this year. I just – I don't know. I I mean, I think we've kind of seen the same Michigan State team over and over again at this point, and maybe I'm just bored with them. But I do like Wisconsin a lot because Johnny Davis – is a special player and it goes back to what we've been saying relentlessly, how good the top level talent is in the big 10. And Johnny Davis is probably one of the best scorers in the country, if not the best score. And then you have the 12 year senior Brad Davison. So give me, give me the Badgers to cover. I'm going to say Badgers 72, 67.
1: I'm actually going to take Michigan state to win this game. It just feels like Wisconsin you know, they're winning all these games and nothing really in dominant fashion. They just kind of find a way to get it done. John Davis has a big game or whatever. Kind of looking at that Ohio State game, you know, really close game. And I don't know. I just feel like the luck's going to run out here. Michigan State really hasn't had a marquee win this season or a game where everyone's watching. And they're like, OK, it's Michigan State. You know, they're here. They'll, they'll be in play. So I think this is it. I think this is uh, where the Sparty stakes their claim in this Big Ten title race and says, you know, this is going to be a long season with these top three teams. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Sparty. And the line is Wisconsin four and a half. So, Vegas giving some love to Wisconsin, as they should, uh, this really good season they've been having. And um, I like Michigan State to cover that
0: spread. All right, next game in the Big Ten, we got... Illinois at Maryland. Maryland has completely fallen off from their former glory, Mark Turgeon's out as coach. Uh, Before we even get into the spread, Ben, I I do kind of want to get your thoughts on Maryland and the state of Maryland basketball because in terms of sleeping giants, I'd say Maryland's probably one of the biggest sleeping giants out there to to become a powerhouse if they get the right alignment uh, to kind of copy the college football coaching carousel phrase phrase of the year
1: it's really just been these last couple years you know they've had some really good basketball teams in these last five six seven years and i mean you're right the maryland area is huge you know all the virginia dc all that area is just huge for basketball and um you know if they make the right hire coach i believe danny manning is taking over this team correct I'm almost positive so. it's Danny Manning. I, I think you're right. Let me, let me double check. And you know, that. they've played well in a couple games, but I mean, it's hard to have a coaching change 10, 12 games in the season, but uh looking for Illinois to build off their uh, loss at Purdue on MLK day where I thought they looked really good. And um, I think they'll continue this into this Illinois game. I think, Coburn will have a big game in this game and he'll get back on track. you know he was having the deal with eating the last game and he was getting frustrated. but um give me Illinois minus seven and a half points on the road in Maryland.
0: I'm gonna say Illinois minus eight and a half. I think they're gonna make you they're gonna make you get to nine. I will say, yeah, uh By the way, Danny Manning is is the coach. I, do you think, do you think Maryland's going to take a stab at Juan Dixon?
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that. Do you know what Juan Dixon is up to nowadays?
0: I don't. Tell me. Enlighten me.
1: His biggest claim to fame right now is he is the husband of one of the wives on the real housewives of potomac which i know you're not familiar with this this is a very big reality tv show my girlfriend watches the show you know a lot of her friends watch the show i think it's the second most popular you know they have like six of these real houses i think it's the oh, yeah. second most popular especially it's all african-american women so i think uh the african-american population loves this show and uh Yes. Yeah, so he is the husband of one of these wives. And I think that is what America knows him as right now. You know, they, they talk about him as a basketball player on there all the time. You know, he's coaching basketball. I'm not sure if he I think he's an assistant coach. I think you need to look this up, but I think he's an assistant coach at a college. He's coaching some form of basketball right now. But, um, dude, I don't think he's at a big enough level right now for them to uh, hire him to be the head coach of Maryland. But that would be incredible television.
0: He is currently coaching at. Oh, he's at Coppin State.
1: So he's an assistant, or he's the he can't be the head coach, is he?
0: I think he's a head coach. Yeah, he's the head coach at a Coppin State.
1: Well, well, Coppin State's terrible. <laughs> I know it's was probably it, not Juan Dixon's fault, but I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> was Coppin State the team earlier in the year that? Uh, that they were okay. the
1: ones that had to travel and play like ten <laughs> games and twelve games because they're having to basically save their athletic program. They're having to generate enough revenue this season to save their entire athletic program. But, so they played like ten pay day payday games in
0: like two weeks or something like that. Didn't they? Um, didn't they forget their jerseys too?
1: Yeah, they forgot their jerseys. <laughs> they're playing. I can't remember it who Drexel, they Was Yeah,
0: it? it was. And they wore Drexel's practice jerseys. <laughs> That's
1: See, what happens, though, when you're on the road for two weeks.
0: I mean, they, good Lord, they went, they were on the road. They From November 19th, they played Virginia, Cleveland State, Canisius, East Carolina, St. Bonaventure, Cornell, George Washington. Then they were back home. So December 8th, they were on the road from November. November 19th against Virginia, and they didn't play a home game until December 11th against Towson. They lost to Towson, which is just very depressing. Also, yeah. shout out Gary Neal, Towson alumni.
1: Well, that was funny that you bring up Juan Dixon because I can guarantee you, under 30, there are more people our age that are female that know who Juan Dixon is than that are male.
0: That is incredible. I'm uh, going to ask the the woman at my work if they know who Juan Dixon is. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, he's like a pretty prominent. He's like on the show all the time. I mean, you know, he's one of the (laughs) husbands, so he's on it. But, you know, he's got a pretty prominent role on it. They talk about Juan a lot. It's it's this thing where he married this girl while he was a player at Maryland. You know, big star, like went into the NBA for a little bit, married this girl. And then at some point after his basketball career, ended, they got divorced and then they got back together like five or they had kids though this whole time. So they were kind of co-parenting. Now they kind of got back together, but they've been back together for like 10 or 15 years or something and just haven't got remarried. And that's just the constant thing on the show is they're like his his wife's name is Robin. They're like, Robin, when are you going to get married again? She's like, oh, you know, Juan said we're getting married next year. And then the next year it's been like, oh, he said we're getting married next year. It's a funny thing on the show. I'm just saying it's a big part of it. <laughs> And it's very
0: strange. All right. I, I believe you. I, I had no idea Juan Dixon was such a reality TV star now. He really is. But back to basketball. Illinois yeah. is eight-point favorites on the road, so we split it uh, yep. right in the middle. Seems about right.
1: I'm I'm, I'm looking for Illinois to build off that uh, loss because they played really well, especially Corbello, and uh, it seems like a smash spot for Illinois. I think I'm expecting a double-digit win out of them.
0: Okay. Well the last the last game of, of note uh, is a is a Mountain West game. Mountain West is a very strong league this year. I mean they might I saw I saw Lenardi or Rothstein said they might have six teams in the tournament. Wow which, which seems a bit high but okay I, I respect it. I mean they are a deep conference. they have I, I think they have five or six teams over a net of 64. I think that was the stat. Yeah, so
1: they have Boise, who's looking really good to make it right now. Wyoming, who's looking pretty good to make it right now. San Diego State, I think whenever we talked about the Mountain West, we did not give San Diego State their due, and they've made us eat crow, man. They came out and absolutely crushed Colorado State by 30 points, and uh, they haven't played a game since because of a COVID layoff. They were supposed to play Wyoming, which would have been a great game, but I don't think we gave them enough due. I think this is still their conference until they say otherwise. And, um, you know, they're going to have to play all these big teams. Boise is looking really good. Wyoming is looking really good. San Diego State. You know, Colorado State has bounced back off that loss. They still only have that one loss. And, uh, you know, some of these other teams, uh, I don't know where he's getting five or six from. Some of these other teams have a lot of work to do. Fresno has a lot of work to do. Utah State has not really lived up to what, at least me and you, I think, expected them to be. They've struggled to score the basketball in some of these games, which is supposed to be their strong suit. And um, if they can't score the basketball, they're not going to win. They're not, they're not built to play defense. And Utah so, State's
0: not playing defense.
1: I really don't expect the way these teams are playing. I was high on Fresno, too, man. But then the other night, they took a, a – oh, no, they actually came back. They actually came back and beat Utah State. So I think Fresno's still alive. They keep winning some games and knock off one of these top three teams. But, uh, yeah, Fresno and Nevada tomorrow night. Fresno's got to have this game. Nevada's just looking to – I don't know. Reclaim the season's not going well. They're sitting at 8-7. and seven. You know, Grant Sherfields lived up to the building, and that's how they're going to have to win this game is the guard matchup. They're going to have to really win their uh, position battles at the guard matchup, shoot the ball really well, especially Sherfield, and they're going to have to help download Orlando Robinson. I mean, they have they don't have anyone who can guard him one-on-one like most, guy, most teams in this conference, so they're going to have to double whenever he gets to basketball and really force the Fresno guards to win this game. So it'd be an interesting game. Uh, Fresno's favored by one point, which is, I mean, that's what I expect this game to be close towards the end. And, uh, we'll see what kind of damage Robinson can do.
0: You're supposed to give me your prediction to, for, for what they were, uh, what, what the spread was. And you just immediately jumped right into it.
1: I already looked at it. That's what I was said. I was I said, you know, one point either way, it's, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. And, uh, I think Fresno has the Fresno wants to be even considered at the end of the year as a, at large, they're gonna to have to they can't lose these kind of games. They're gonna to have to win all their games except those, except the top three or four teams in their conference.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like Fresno. So give me Fresno, give me Illinois to cover and oof. I'll take Wisconsin. All so right. I'll take all favorites. Gonna go on three.
1: You wanna look at a couple of these SEC games on Saturday?
0: Yeah, we'll we'll just just guess the spread, and then people can listen to this when the spreads are out and realize how wrong we were.
1: Big game. 12 o'clock, CBS. Will they play the SEC on CBS music? If we're lucky. If we're lucky. Kentucky at Auburn.
0: I think the spread's going to be Auburn four and a hook.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be – three and a hook, four and a hook, four, something like that. Man, this is going to be a really interesting matchup of these bigs. What time's this game? Uh, this game's at noon uh, Ooh. Central Time on Saturday. This is just going to be so interesting, man. The Toshibwe and Walker Kessler matchup, you know, the taller kind of lankier guy, and then the absolute rock of the 6'9 or 6'10 Tashibwe. It's going to be interesting. I mean, to see who wins this battle, you would think – Shiba kind of uses his physicalness to get into his chest and really push him towards the middle of the uh the middle of the restricted zone and try to get his baskets that way. But man, I mean, the way Auburn's playing, it's hard to pick against Auburn. They just have so many guys to throw at you, so many shooters, so many scores. And uh, I'll take Auburn. I think, I think this gets pretty high scoring though. I think I'll take Auburn eighty to seventy five.
0: I'll take Auburn as well. And actually gives me a higher scoring than that. Give me Auburn, 91-85. What else we got Saturday in the SEC?
1: I mean, that's really the only notable, notable game in the SEC.
0: Bama's going to get the revenge against Missouri?
1: <laughs> you would hope so. If Bama <laughs> wants to be considered a tournament team, you can't have two losses to Missouri and you're uh, – on your ledger
0: uh, for our sake. I hope they don't. Yeah.
1: Now nah, it's that weird thing in college basketball where you have to root for teams that you, uh well, you actually have to root for anybody you play win or lose. Cause it helps you either way. And so <clears throat> I know Will has been saying he's been rooting, keeping track of Ohio all year, rooting for Ohio in some of these games, but that's just the way it is. I mean, the selection committee really looks into these rankings, and every single game matters. How many points you win by matters, and then who your opponents play, and if they win those games really matters.
0: Have you seen this thing on Ken Palm that is uh, it gives you a thrill score for each game? Oh, yeah, schedule? it's awesome. Well, uh, Kentucky Auburn has a thrill score of 83.6 out of 100. And then LSU has 78.5. So the two the two most exciting games, according to Ken Palm's numbers, are going to be LSU at Tennessee and Kentucky at Auburn.
1: Could talk about Texas A&M and Arkansas, which I think is going to be pretty interesting games. The two teams who could really use this as a good uh, stepping stone to kind of catapult them into being a safe tournament team and kind of building their resume from here. A&M took out Arkansas a couple weeks ago might have been last Saturday they took them out at home. They won by, I think, nine points or something like that. They played pretty well all game. But, uh, you know, Arkansas kind of turned it around since then. They, you know, they played really well against LSU. And uh, Arkansas at home, I think Arkansas is going to be favored in this game by probably two and a half points. And as much as I love a I think Arkansas comes out with this game. I really think they're going to push here through uh, January and February and really get themselves safely in the tournament by the time we turn the page to March.
0: I like that. I like that. I I also agree. I think Arkansas is going to win that game as well. Give me Arkansas vibe and a hook. I I, I don't think Vegas necessarily respects Texas A&M just yet. One game I want to ask you about, and it's not not a big conference, uh, a game with the seventh highest thrill score in the country on Saturday, we got the UAB Blazers visiting our Louisiana no Tech Bulldogs. Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, yeah, and I'm watching this game. What time is this game at?
0: This game's at 4 p.m. I'd imagine it's going to be on
1: CBS Sports Network. They have all the Conference USA games usually.
0: But, but see, this website. This website's listing what games are on CBS Sports Network, and it's not even on there. So And it doesn't even look like it's on ESPN+. Plus. I have no idea what game this channel is on
1: yeah i don't see what channel it's on either i mean this game has to be on television this is this is the premier matchup of conference usa right here i mean i could see both these teams getting in as at large in the tournament if their season goes right they both have the talent i think to be some nasty nasty 9 10 11 seeds i mean really teams you don't want to see both have really good coaching
0: you don't want you don't want any part of jordan walker for UAB, you don't
1: want any part. Of Jordan Walker, really, all their guards have been playing really well, and um, the center from Clemson, his name's escaping me, uh, but he's been playing really well lately. Playing took a step up from last year, and uh, man, this is gonna be a hell of a basketball game right here. It's at t- LA Tech. LA Tech's been it. playing pretty well at home, but UAB's been some road warriors. Man, they've gone into North Texas and won. And uh, this is going to be a great game, man. Uh, really a clash of two styles. You know, LaTeX likes to get inside the loft, and UAB likes to really keep it on the perimeter with their guards, play pick and roll, and get guys off screen shooting. And man, this is going to be a fun game. A uh, uh, LaTeX minus a point and a half, maybe? I don't know. This is going to be tight.
0: I'd say, I'd say. Lot of take up minus a point or even a them. This game is going to be an absolute war. And if you're not watching this, you don't love college basketball, which I don't blame you. You're not there yet. You're you're only on episode four of this podcast. By episode sixty, you're going to be watching Winthrop Chattanooga in the SoCon and like this. This All is right. the best sport a, ever.
1: That was a terrible example. That's a great game. <laughs> Everyone should watch that game right now if they play. <laughs> That's a great game. But uh, man, the Thomas Sumi Center is going to be on fire Saturday in Rustin and uh. I think they get off to, you know, LaTeX the, through the course of the season has been getting off to really good starts in the first half. And their problem uh, has been kind of blowing it out of halftime. But I think they get off to a uh, good start in this game and hold off UAB down the stretch. Give me LaTeX 74 to 73. Wait, wait, what did you say? LaTeX 74 to 73. Are you. Are you
0: looking at Ken Palm right now?
1: No, I'm not. I'm looking at the ESPN app.
0: Okay. Ken Palm's projection, LaTex, 74-73. It's going to be a great game, man.
1: I'm, I'm just If you want to get a look ahead at your brackets, man, I mean, these are going to be, I really think, you know, I kind of made a bracket this weekend. I had with these teams as a 10 and an 11, and I think they're both going to get in regardless if they win the tournament. You know, they have a good... They don't have many losses. LaTeX is three. UAB is four. UAB has played some good teams. And uh, I think they can both do enough to get in. I really do.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they both got in. I, I will say LaTeX has to be North Texas, though. Those are going to – like, that's, that's going to be their last chance to really get solid Ws to get in as an at-large is going to be against North Texas. Um, you know, I mean,
1: they do have a win against Santa Clara on the schedule, which is going to do really well for them. I think Santa Clara is going to hold their own. I'm not sure if Santa Clara pulled it out tonight against, um, who are they playing?
0: Playing St. Mary's. They lost against St. Mary's. They lost 73 65 at St. Mary's. Still think
1: uh, Santa Clara is going to end up with you know some good numbers here at the end of the year, and that'll be a good win on their resume. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they're gonna to have to run preferred. You know, run the table except these this UAB game. I'm not sure if they play again, but you know they're going to have to beat. I mean, I don't know how many conference games they play. They can't afford to lose more than two or three if they want to be in as at-large's.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I, I think I think both of these teams are capable of, of being at-large teams currently. Currently, La Tech is six zero in conference play in in CUSA, and uh, UAB actually did slip up against Rice. A couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um i mean so that was that's kind of a bad loss if if you would be wants to be an at-large but it'll after, be fun one saturday absolutely well Ben, anything else for the folks at home that's it all right well we appreciate you listening we appreciate supports like download subscribe all that good stuff and uh yeah keep coming back for college basketball insight and we really appreciate any and all support see
1: you Oh, tigers